in so what is your job title and in seven words what is your job function Digital product and customer experience. So, what's your job title? Um, product manager. Wow. So, what is what is a digital product? Um, it's anything from from our well, for me personally, what I work on are apps for our apps. Our in web experience, like mobile web things like Safari, and our um, desktop experience. So, for some people, depending on their role, it may just be one platform, like apps, and then they focus on in web, people may focus on desktop experiences. So, features related to that experience. So, for instance, like our Instagram, one feature I may work on is the story, the story feature. Is there a project manager? Is it product, product? Oh, product manager. Okay. And so you're not necessarily working on how much are you working on the product versus like itself versus how the customer receives it? The majority of it is it's kind of like one and the same. So I work on the product and we test it. So while we're testing it, um, that has a lot to do with like doing user studies and things such as that. So that's also how the customer sees it. So it's kind of like I do both. I never just ship a product without trying to understand how the customer is. So whether that be like an A-B test or that be like, you know, recorded user studies. Interesting. So, how do you? And so, what is? So, are you involved in what products the company develops, or is it just like somebody has a vision and then you're translating it to see if it would be viable? No, sometimes it's my vision and sometimes it's the business vision. So it just, it depends where the idea comes from. Sometimes it comes from me, and if it comes from me, I have to develop a whole proposal. About why I feel like we need to do this, and what data scientists to talk about. What is the significance of this problem? Like, I can't enhance a feature if only like two percent of our users like use it because they're not going to see that as a worthy use of engineering resources. But if you know twenty percent of users use it and they use it every day, then that's something that actually you know I can present to my boss and then I can like basically sell the story for. Um, and then we should use to, then we should update. So it depends. Sometimes it's like a business initiative, sometimes it's a product initiative, and product initiatives come from me. Interesting. So, do you need, like, so then is your experience in, like, career experience in, like, user design? No, not at all. My background is in finance. Um, I kind of got into this by working at Comcast and working with them on their accelerator. And they were looking at startups. And startups, 
like to call themselves businesses, but in many cases, they're not really businesses. They're just products. Like, they are one kind of product or one type of service, and they're trying to grow their user base to, you know, get enough customers and be a large, like, business or company. So, because I worked with the accelerator, I got very, you know, intimate with the product, like, life cycle, part of the life cycle, and things like that. And I moved from working with the accelerator or that accelerator to actually working on products for another company. These are products for another company. So is it much different than working, like, what is the major difference you see between working at, like, an established business, right, that I would assume mm-hmm. Comcast is, versus working um, at a startup? So I've never worked at a startup, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. All the companies that I worked on have been, like, large corporations, whether it be the investment bank that I worked at, whether it be Comcast, Verizon, or Zillow, where I work now. Um, but from my understanding, for people that I know that work at startups, the culture is just very different. Like, it's kind of, like, everybody just rolls up their sleeves and does whatever needs to be done to get the product out of the door, get, get out of the door, because, like, they seconds matter at, at startups because like if you're a second behind or miss behind someone else who's a competitor, you may begin to lose customers. And if you begin to lose customers and you only have one product or one solution, then like that's it. Y'all are going out of business. That's a really good point, particularly if it's like essentially you might be a one trick pony. And it's like you're trying to sell right. you're, you're building your business off the back of this one <laughs> offering. Right. So, like, think about Snapchat. When everybody started getting stories, like Facebook and Instagram and everybody else, Snapchat became less interesting to the majority of people because, you know, everybody else kind of copied what they did. And, like, so nobody had to go to Snapchat for that that particular experience. Well, you're low-key shaking the table because I actually interviewed someone who works at Snapchat. <laughs> but she seems to be having a good time still. Um, that yeah, that no, they is- diversify their business offering a lot. But I mean, the crazy behind Snapchat is not what it was like right now, and I, and I don't think anybody can argue with that. No, I think that's very. I think once the Instagram story came out, that was a lot of the conversation. It's like, oh, what? Mm-hmm. Like they, 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 this already exists somewhere else. And now a platform right. that people are using for a different reason has integrated it. So why have why might you need to ask? And so that speaks to like a certain level of agility, hopefully. <laughs> so right, then right. we don't know how are we gonna sustain. Um exactly. So like what so how do you spend your day? Like what is a what does the product manager actually do? So you wake up and then like how do things unfold? I mean, every day is different. Like, some days it's meetings where I'm trying to figure out what happened with the bug. Like, for instance, if something went down, if there's a bug in our system and it's, like, a part of the product set that I'm responsible for, then I need to figure out where that bug is. I need to work with my figure out where the bug is, what's causing the bug, and how quickly can we fix the bug. Sometimes it's, like, um, writing proposals for a new product that I think we should be. Sometimes it's like, um, 
I don't know, like writing stories. And when I say stories, it basically means instructions for my engineers to follow when they are creating a new product. A product. Sometimes it's you know, where I have to present the findings of an A-B test that I did and tested it on real users. Sometimes it's I mean, I have to present like the results of a user research experience or study. Um, it can vary. It can vary. So how much tech do you need to know? Because if you don't, Ray, you didn't come from a tech background. So how do you connect the languages? What is that process like? Well, I was a tech banker. So I know the language from banking. Like, I covered technology companies while I was in banking before I even went to Comcast. So, the language is not new to me. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I always tell people, you don't need to be a computer programmer to be a product manager, which is very true. But you do have to understand how a product works. Like, you can't, like, not understand how it works and then expect to be able to, like, build a case about why. Uh, your team should work on one product and another product. Wow. What is tech finance? I've never heard of that. So, um, as a tech investment banker, it's like any other investment banker. Like, you just cover statistically tech companies, like exclusively tech companies, I should say. So, if a tech company wants to go public and your your bank wins the deal, then your bank will help that company prepare for an IPO. If a tech company wants to acquire another company, your bank will help that company get the finance, financing required to make that acquisition. If a tech company wants to raise debt, you have to help them raise the debt and basically build a model to justify to the market that if they raise that debt, that public debt, it won't, like they can pay it back. Like it's not too, not too risky of an investment. Government has to approve it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What does it mean to raise? You're really dropping like a lot of like <laughs> phrases that I've never heard before. Um, oh, raise debt is like, um, say if you're a company, tech company, or any company, and you want to diversify your product, your product and solutions, but you need money to, you know, hire more engineers or hire more data scientists or hire more designers or hire more consultants to like, help you launch that business. If you don't have the money in the company's like cash droves, then you need to um, basically go out and raise the debt. So you need to go and issue a bond in the public market, and then people will buy chunks of that bond. And by by them buying chunks of that bond, that's them actually giving you the money to do whatever you want you need to do. And if a company goes for a company to go public. They need a mm-hmm. bank to support them. No, no, I was going to go to the private. What you mean for for companies to go public? Um, they usually have a, a, an investment bank. Very rarely do you see a company go public on their own, like because they have to. It's a whole syndication process. And when I say syndication process, it's like it requires a lot of lenders, and usually it has banks have to be involved, and lawyers have to be involved. But you rarely would ever see that. How did you get into investment banking? Like, was even like tech investment banking? Is that something you chose on your own, or how did those even? Um, what was the threshold? Um, I stumbled into it via a program on at Duke campus called Minorities on Wall Street. Um, I stumbled into banking because I saw some 
people doing it or I heard them talking about it and I was like, okay, I want to try this out. I ended up meeting this professor who helped me um, get my first internship on Wall Street and after that, I just kind of kept going. Is the, was the internship what you thought it would be from what you experienced in the conversations of people talking about it? No, they're pretty much well prepared because these were black black individuals so they told me how to do it like for me like they, they really were honest with me. Were there particular nuances that they highlighted that you're like, dang, <laughs> like I thought they were kidding, but actually it's what, like, right? It's 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 what it is. It's what they said it would be. No, I never thought they were kidding because I mean they were very like it was not like it was they weren't joking. Like I knew they were serious. Like when they said like, oh, you know, you work a hundred hours a week, like I believe. How did you manage? That's a lot of hours to dedicate to work. How did you manage that? I just had to do it. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't really think much during the time. I just kind of did. Like, I just kind of instituted because I, I didn't really have a choice. Like, I, I'm a first generation college student. I needed to help my mom, and my mom needed to help my sister. So I was like helping them both simultaneously. So I didn't really have time to think about, you know, Oh my god, this is a lot. Like, I didn't have time to, to like, really digest that. I just was working. I guess at some time, some point, you did think about it because, right, you're doing something else. So it's right, just, but I, like, that was after my sister. I was after my sister graduated. Wow, that's a, that's actually a lot to put on your back to be like, yeah, like I'm working towards something that, like, to think about like money is like a tool versus like, oh, I'm just going to get a lot of money. But it's like, oh, we need this to make something else happen in a way that feels like very urgent. Yeah, I mean, it was urgent. Um, and it, it was a lot now that I think about it. Like, as I got older, I began to think about how much you know, pressure it was. But in the moment, I just didn't really have the time. Like, it was just kind of really about survival. Like, that's just what it was. Like, I didn't have time to think about how Difficult it may or may not be. And so, like what I would and so what's the balance now, right? Like, are you still working a hundred dollars a week in this kind of new job role and mm-hmm. company? Mm-hmm. At five o'clock, I start at nine. I get off at five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. That, my like, out of school, my mom is because for me it was never about. Like, for me, it was never about, like, status or anything. Like, I have friends that were bankers, and for them, it's about status. For me, it was never about status. It was about using this as a way for everybody to get good. And, like, we're all good now, so, I mean, why would I still be there? Like, I I got what I needed. I I was able to get the next egg that I wanted. So, like, why would I consistently make myself unhappy for status when that's not what I went there for anyway? And so is the, like, does the organization expect, like, is it, like, is it, like, organizationally 9 a.m. start, 5 p.m. close, or is those, are those you exercising your own boundaries to be, like, I'm out of here? <laughs> it's me. So some people work later. Some people work, you know, longer. That's them. Like, that's, not, that's their choice. But, see, that's not how, we don't have a performance-based bonus. We have a performance-based raise. But we don't have a performance based bonus. Our bonus structure 
is based upon equity performance. So how the, the market, you know, responds to our our company as as our stock price goes down. Gotcha. So it's like if you can do all your work in those eight hours, why try to like why be there longer than you have to? Exactly, because I mean, work is not all of my life. It's a part of it, but not all of it. And so, what do you do? Because I imagine to work like a hundred hours a week to forty, like I imagine to even get to the hundred where you're like, oh, I still can wake up and survive and continue to work. Um, following one hundred hour week into a new hundred hour week, like that takes a lot of stamina. So, what do you do? Potent, if that's correct, what do you do with all mm-hmm. the extra energy now? <laughs> Well, I go to the gym like six times a week now. I, I mean, when it wasn't COVID, I would go out with friends after dinner, like happy hours occasionally, probably like starting on a Thursday, every other Thursday or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I found, I relax a lot more. Like I sleep a whole lot more than I've ever slept, which is great. I watch television. I read interesting articles. Um, I FaceTime my sister and my nephew and my mom all the time. Um, I have a partner, so I do things with him. Um, like I really just enjoy living my life now. It's not about like just having one element, you know, like that one element being work. Like it's a, it's a mostly the like Well, it really just sounds like you're living the life what we think is like quote unquote normal like a normal life that somebody would expect like in adulthood um so you you mentioned that you learned about sort of like your trajectory in terms of what you ended up doing started when you were in college like you you were introduced to this new information and that took you down the career path that you had that was the starter Mm-hmm. What did you go to school originally then to do, and was this like a huge curve from that? Well, I mean, I went to school because I was the first generation college student, and I got into and that was what was expected. Like, I, 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 I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do a business. That's all I knew. Um, because I didn't want to be a lawyer, and I definitely didn't want to be a doctor. So, um, but when I was in college the first year, like I've always been, my icons have always been like Quincy Jones and um, L.A. Reed because they were business men, but they were like in music. And I, I wanted to major in music. My mom was just like, you know, you can't major in music. Like, you know, you would be, we would be broke. Like, I, I'm broke right now. Like, you can't, you know, we would just be even more broke. Um... So that was a real, like, eye-opening, come-to-Jesus kind of experience. And ever since then, I mean, I just had realized I had to find something else I wanted to do that would make me happy. And technology makes me happy. So, I mean, I was like, I guess I'll just do this for the time being. But this is, like, not my end-all, be-all. Like, I definitely um, plan on, like not doing this for the rest of my life either. Um, So that's interesting because I feel like, and I was just thinking about it, um, 
I feel like when people think about music or even just like success, right? There's a lot. I think it's like common rhetoric. It's like, oh, you either a rapper or a ball player, like as a black person, a black man in particular. And mm-hmm. so to think, I, I was just watching like, um, what is it, Last Chance University, the basketball edition. <laughs> and so that's really what mm-hmm. reinforced that. And that's like a lot of the common themes, like in the in the show, is like that's really the 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 stereotypes that they're fighting against, but not necessarily because they're living through it. But at least it gives you some insight. Blah blah. And so it's like to think about right. You're like, oh, I'm interested in music, but I want to be on the business side of music versus being a mu- musician. I right. to me that's like unique. <laughs> like, like to think about the industry beyond the product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I grew, I grew up. I was very like nerdy, so I grew up watching a lot of documentaries, and I saw a lot of black people like that were musicians not get the their money, like they 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 were like, stiffed out of their money. And so for me, I was like, yeah, I don't want that to be me. And so I I thought like you know who are these black men that are like musicians or musically inclined but they're also businessmen they're also like making sure they get their money and like how do they get their money oh by production and writing credit so like I was just thinking about that like I'm not even if I was like ever a performer you can't perform the same way at 90 as you can at 19 so like what can I do to like make sure I'm still eating after you know my 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 heyday is gone that's actually so real. <laughs> and even as a, and it's like, I think, at least for me, it was like, right, I think I recognize similar things. And it's like, what is the machine behind the individual? Because right. there's more conversation now, right, about the inequity, the inequity in terms of like, you only really see the performer and they get, and they're in a 360 deal and like, they get like X percent of what they earn. And so right. like Anita Baker just was saying some people to not stream her music because she still doesn't have her masters and she should but now she's gonna have to fight for them. Wow. And she wrote the majority of her catalog. Wow. So what like what and so to get in your industry, what would you say are like the bare minimum? So if somebody's like looking at the job description, um, or like mm-hmm. the job responsibilities, like what do you feel like are things that might be in there, or things that might not be in there that people should really be thinking about and like prioritizing? Mm, give me a second. Hmm. I mean, it varies. I mean, because. I have a very different background than most people that that get into product management. But my background is is much it's different, but it's still highly analytical. And I've worked with you know, I mean to be quite frank, I work with white people who don't have an analytical background. Like one of my peers worked, she was a customer support specialist and now she's a product manager. And I believe that's much different, much more difficult for like a person of color, a black person 
to make a move like that without either going back to get a master's or going to get some type of institution certification. Um, but, you know, it's possible because anything is possible. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of times job descriptions, they, they, they are kind of misleading. Like they say you have to have certain things and you don't really have to. Um, I'll probably say the thing I would like to definitely tell people is you don't have to be, you don't have to be more a programming language to be a product manager. There's always been a misconception that to work in tech at all, you have to know how to program. Like you have to know at least one language. Like that's not true. I don't know one programming programming language. I don't need to. Um. So I just don't know why that. Like I don't know why that is like something that people consistently say. And I, I try to tell as many black people that as possible because I don't want them to be like, oh, well, I don't have services, so I'm not going to provide. That's something that you definitely don't need, but you do have to be able to speak to product to products in a very like detailed manner. Um, so if you're not talking about coding, what are you talking about? I'm talking about how it actually flows, like what what connects to what. Like I have to be able to speak multiple languages. Like I have to be able to speak to the engineers about the code, but I don't have to know specific. So for instance. I have to know how certain things are tagged in the database and remember that understand the connections between those tags, but I don't actually have to write that code. I have to understand what verbiage is okay or not okay from the legal perspective and like, you know, working with our copywriters. But I don't actually have a JD. And I also don't have any certifications that like establish as a copywriter. I have to understand what designs make sense, but I've never been to school for graphic design. I just have to know but based upon like, you know, competitive analysis and other things, or just like intuition, you know, what I think makes sense from a legal perspective. So it, it, a lot of it has to come from like you and what do you think and what do you feel. And you have to just be able to back that up with like a logical, you know, justification. So, okay. So then is that the major thing? It's like, oh, if you don't, you don't necessarily need to know how to code, but you have to understand how the pieces fit together. Are there other things for exactly. that you want to amplify? No, that's it. That's it. Like every piece, like you have to know how every piece fits together. You have to know how your product connects to another person's product. It's just like you have to be, you have to understand how things fit together. You don't have to know how to put it together, but you have to know how to fit together. For instance, like, I've never built a car, but I know a car needs a motor. I know, you know all this stuff. I know like high level things about it. What and so can you say more about like what you then use for professional development? Like, are there websites, text, resources, journals that you're like, okay, if I'm trying to get better at my job or know more, see what's going on, I'm going to these outlets. Probably just staying in the know. And being inquisitive, so for instance, I read a lot of different articles. I read business and tech articles from The Hollywood Reporter, Vanity Fair, TechCrunch, Book in the New York Times. I read um, Reuters TMT section. So, like, I read a variety of resources. And, like, usually when you read things, there's at least sometimes where you don't know what something is referencing. So look that up and then like be able to like dig into it. 
And it sounds like it's an interdisciplinary job anyway. So you may not necessarily see one end-all, be-all resource that sort of feeds your knowledge base anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think it's multiple things. And, like, a lot of people go to product school. Product school is, a, is another, um, like, another website, but it also are an institution. It's like a, it's like you can go and get a certificate, a product management certificate. So, and they have it. I think, I know there's one in New York. I think there's one in other, other places. Um, I know other, you know, programs have, like, you know, like other MBA programs like Kellogg's have like an eight-week online program. It's like less than $3,000. So it, it just depends on like your level of interest. Like something you really want to do, then I would say, you know, go into it. But like, like dig into all types of resources. And so how do you actually define your industry, right? Because when you mentioned the company, I'm thinking like, oh, that's a real estate company but your work seems heavily invested in tech so sounds like i'm wrong <laughs> no it is tech but it's tech real estate i mean uh it's the same thing as someone who works at netflix like they work at media and entertainment but they work at a tech company netflix same thing as someone who works at walmart on this they're like e-commerce side they work at like a retailer but they work in tech and e-commerce wow. it's like an e-commerce company that's a really good point. And so what makes it a tech company is that it lives like online or that the main product is the technology anyway. Like y'all are not necessarily, or at least in its foundings, it wasn't like, oh, we are selling real estate. Is that the difference? The difference is that, wait, so ask it again. What is the difference between what? So the difference between like a regular real estate company versus mm-hmm. tech real estate. Yeah, I mean, I think it's our technology that differentiates us. Yeah, because, I mean, there are um, brokerages that try to do the exact same thing that we do that that can't do it. (laughs) Both our technology. Humble flex. It's cool. Um, How is success measured in your position and in your field? Versus how are you managing it for yourself? Like, how are you identifying? What's success to you as an individual? For me, success is something that is independent of my, like, independent of my career. So success is, like, my life. Like, am I at a position where I'm not beholden to one specific institution or entity for you know, my paycheck and I am a situation where I own property and I can, you know, get into that property to exercise, you know, maybe a, a business option or business alternative that I am interested in. Um, is my family provided for? Um, do I have a decent quality of life to me? That's success. Um, am I well rested or do I feel like I'm like constantly chasing a dream? Um, I think in my career, like in my role, I think is very different. Success is very like logged into like what is your latest product? How many people use that product? How frequently they use that product? How does this product compare? Sorry, compare to the previous product that you enhanced. Um, what is the next thing that you're doing? Like, how are you playing that out? How do you think that will, you know, enhance the customer experience or the overall customer user base that like uses this a sector of the product? Um, 
how are you work at working and speaking to language of different stakeholders, whether it be the design team, whether it be the legal team, whether it be you know the engineering team, um, that type of stuff. And so I, like I, I think that's a very good. Yes, yeah, so I think it's different for different people, but for me, it's very different because it's not. It has nothing to do with what I currently do. Sure, and I think that that's very real, right? Like, it's so easy. At least I think it's a Capricorn exercising itself in me. Where it's like, if you're, like, it's like, oh, if you're not successful in work, then are you really even successful in life? And so I think, right, to have that opportunity or to have that lens where you can zoom out to be like, oh, this is a thing that I do sometimes. Right, like eight yeah. hours out of the twenty-four. What are you doing for the majority of those twenty-four hours? Actually, and it's not like you're centering your work product or your evaluations at work to be sort of how you are defining yourself. Yeah, because I mean, my, my my job is important to me because it sustains the lifestyle that I want. But I mean. I don't, to be quite frank, I don't think what I do is any more important than what a sex worker does. Like, um, and that's because I probably am part of, a popular, part of the population that believes in, you know, dignifying all, you know, all consensual work environments. Um, because I am fortunate enough to be in a position where, yes, I'm a first generation college student, but I was afforded a lot of, you know, things that someone who was trans probably does not have. Like a person that is a specifically a black trans person, um, black trans woman or trans man, won't usually have refreshing experiences in the professional environment and won't have welcoming experiences in the professional environment. In many situations, irrespective of their aptitude and their like ability to do like mental acrobatics because they present the way they present, society does not receive them. So in many ways they have to go out and create their own industry. So um I don't see my work as any more important than Right. And I think it's like it's everything that makes the world turn. <laughs> like like they, right. they they too have clients. Like they too have a product that people are investing in. So it's like they like there's value like even I think about like janitors a lot because I'm like people right. scoff that janitors. But I'm like, are you gonna work in a dirty office? <laughs> like, are you like right. if the if they if they didn't take out your trash bag before, you gonna know? Mm-hmm. So you are you gonna people scoff at people who check them out? Yeah, they scoff people who check them out at CVS. Scoff people who check them out at the grocery store. Scoff people who check them out at. I don't know, Macy's, H&M, Bergdorf, I don't know. Like, they scoff at people who do these service jobs, but it's like, they're doing it for a reason. Nobody, I mean, I mean, maybe they love it and that's great, but like, if they didn't get paid, I don't think people will be there. They're doing this to sustain themselves, most of them. Right. And it's like, even people who sort of have office jobs, who work nine to five, a lot of them too are like, is like am I is this joyous every moment like is the joy easily articulated in every moment of my work so it's like right it's not when I don't know if we're as far away as a lot of people might like to believe because there's people miserable in their non-talk 
and just because they sit at a desk, that doesn't like that. Like that doesn't that doesn't mean much more sometimes, especially for quality of life. No, I guess it's like quality of life because you may be able to afford more, definitely. But like a nine to five doesn't guarantee you like the quote unquote success holistically. Oh, this one does that. So can you say more about like the lifestyle accessible in your work? So like, right, you work at nine to five. Are there like perks of the job, benefits? Do you travel a lot, or is it pretty stable? Like, is there kind of a salary range? So mm-hmm. There's a salary range. Um, I would say the like mid. Six figures is probably over where people start their career, salary based. Um, bonus and equity, it just depends on which company because it depends on how well their staff is going and how generous they are to employees regarding equity. For my company, we all can work remote, so that's another benefit. Is that a result of the pandemic? Or was that like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what it was the pandemic. Um, we get a stipend for like the gym or whatever health related stuff. We have great insurance. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of benefits. There's a lot of benefits. We get like, um, we can like I don't know we get these different perks with like like computer licenses and electronics and what else like office supplies and stuff like that for to buy for our home office stuff like that. Oh wow! And when you say mid figures, do you mean like in the one fifties or like in the five hundred? Oh, like one fifty. Gotcha. So like mid six figures. Wow, that's. <laughs> I mean that's that's later in your career. That's more so like senior product manager, VP, director of product. Gotcha. Right, all in the product line. What? So where are you on the product trajectory? Like, are like is manager? Like, is manager the first step, or sort of? Yeah, where do you sit? So I'm the man, I'm a product manager. The next step would be senior product manager. The next one would be principal product manager. And after principal, you would probably be a director and then a, SD, a VP and SVP and then like a chief product officer. For me, I don't. So, so what happened? So in the other direction of the trajectory, what is this? I mean, like, you know, some as you get higher up, you become less of a product person, more of a people manager. I don't really care to be a people man. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then, right, but it's like, who who reports to you? Nobody reports to me. They just kind of listen to me because it's kind of weird. Like, I'm not the boss, but I lead the product. Gotcha. And so your team is essentially just like the aggregate of what you were talking about, like the engineers, legal, mm-hmm, gotcha. mm-hmm, and then, but your boss is managing the product manager. 
Yeah, correct. He would keep on marrying them. Gotcha. Interesting. That's a big distinction, I feel like, because I do, I think that, right, the more promotions you get, the less you are from the actual, you're, you're managing people more than you're managing, like, an actual product, like, exactly like you said, which I think is interesting, because it, to me, it seems to like a different level of, like, are the barometers for that a lot? Because if you're a great and, like, efficient product manager, you get a promotion, but now you're managing people. That's a different skill set. Right, and not all product, not all people managers are good people managers. That's a fact. Actually, I, I believe most people that are people managers are not good at managing people. I agree with that. I think a lot of projects, I think a lot of people managers, like, right, they might have been good at managing the product. And it's like you wanted a more money, or like maybe you wanted to direct the vision of the company to be more aligned with what you think, but you may not necessarily think about the resources that you're managing to able to really actualize that vision, and what it's like to actually talk to another person <laughs> versus like right. fiddling on the computer. Um, Okay, so what, and so you talked about, so we hear a lot of conversation, right, about being black in tech. Is that, do you find, like, are you surprised by the rhetoric given your own experience? Like, is it as difficult as, um, out of, like, news outlets make it seem? Um, I mean, I was an investment banker before. I don't expect society to accept black people. I don't. So, I mean, I, I don't really, I don't, I have very low expectations for society and for corporate America. Um, there's a report issued by McKinney that it would take 95 years from where we are now for black people to actually be on parity um, with white people in terms of corporate, you know, positions and salary, etc. So, I mean, I'm not surprised by anything. Well, so you're not surprised but it is still difficult. And you just personally... Absolutely. I love, I mean, it's going to take 95 years for us to get, get on, to get to parity. Mm-hmm. It'll be difficult. It's not even a prop. It's not even a sufficient description. <laughs> I, this is actually the first time that I'm hearing that. And so I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> and I don't know if it's a clear... I think it's, if it's anything, it's a complex feeling. Because I'm like, is that even true? I'll be curious. To I, 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 I no doubt believe that it's true. I mean, well, I, 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 I completely Oh, well, I mean, probably. I mean, it, because I feel like progress starts and stops depending on, you know, whomever is, you know, in power. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. And I wonder if it's like, 95 years from this point, right? Post, uh, post June, um, and, and it's seeming like a lot of people being awakened to the idea of racism playing out in their local communities. Um, and so I wonder, like, if those kinds of, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if something like this happens in another 20 years because it's typically, these kind of um, 
these kind of energetic eruptions happen about every 20 years, really, if you look at it. Um, and so I wonder if those, I wonder if maybe they've taken that into account. And like, mm-hmm. right, does that exacerbate it or not? Um, then coming aware of something and actually taking steps towards correcting it are two very different things. Um, <laughs> American society has become aware of a lot of things. Like, I mean, if you want to step out of just considering, like, the black experience, if you think about the Native American experience, like, there was years, for years, there was a whole, like, remove Native Americans from, you know, your, your, you know, goods and services. So, like, for instance, Lando Lake removed the Native Americans from their product, from their product, but, I mean, did they give any of that money that they sold while Native American was on the product to any reservation? I didn't see that anywhere. So, um, just like, they just removed the Native American, they kept the land, they removed Native American from the Kansas City Chief product, but, you know, were they sponsoring a reservation every game? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's great to, to be in the know, but what are you actually doing about it? Like, what are you actually doing about it? Right. Like, how do you compensate? And it's like, what you're doing about it is like, okay, moving forward, we're going to move in a different direction. But how do you compensate for the past? Because I think that that is important. <laughs> like, I think, I think it's like, people will be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, and it's like, that is a fix. And it's like, no, <laughs> you you have to do more than say sorry. It's like even short chain behavior, sure. But for me, to me, there has to be some kind of eagerness to make up for, you can't go in the past, but there has to be some investment in like really making like a future where people are compensated right for their images, for their products, for their existence that you use. And you can't just like turn your back on that. Be like, oh, we're not gonna do that anymore. It's like, okay, but for the time you were doing it, how you how you adding that up? And uh, because so yeah, I don't know. Conversation, I think it was sick. 